Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. The 13th of December, wonderful to y- for you to join us. Um, how's your day, Julia? It's been really good, actually, for a Wednesday. I had some really interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a good day for the market, too. Yeah, sure was. Um, the CBO Australia Index has seen the curtain come down and a positive session there. We do still have the last of the day's trades coming through the S&P ASX 200, but that's a pretty decent performance up by four tenths of 1%. Yeah, and really healthcare leading the way today. I know we're gonna talk more about this, but it does seem everybody wants a piece of of Sigma and Chemist Warehouse potential (laughs) merger. Energy underperforming, you know, those crude prices falling about 3% overnight. And a a big EIA report that we're watching Mm. when it comes to the crude oil market as well. Uh, But today we also had the release of the mid-year financial update from the federal government, Lucky Country, with a question mark because there's a lot been made about the fact that, yes, we're seeing the, uh, the bottom line improve, a lot of which is thanks to the government's really conservative expectations for the iron ore price of commodities mm. have been flowing into the coffers. Yeah, so it's that iron ore price which has got that iron will at the moment. It's continuing to, to defy expectations, ratcheting. It's been about $135 a tonne. Mm. Um, but also what's been really interesting, and I spoke to a couple of people earlier this week that were saying, you know, migration is the big story of 2023 yeah. if you're going to really put something on that. But the, the fact that we've had this record migration has continued to underpin our economy day David Sikolsky from Carrara Capital telling me that too. But at the same time, creating these problems like the housing mm-hmm. um, supply shortage as well. So um, that interview with David uh, is always good value. It's up online if you'd mm. like to find it there. You can find his name under our experts and follow him there. Um, and then you get to the miners at record highs for Fortescue Metals. We saw records, I think, for Rio, for Pilbara. Really interesting because we had this two-day economic conference come to an end in Mm. China. So we started the day with no hints of any big stimulus coming. Uh, But those miners going from strength to strength, I mean, yes, the price of iron ore has defied gravity. But I suppose the question is, for how long? But look, Mm. investors... Driving yeah, but then, you know, if you, if you look at the, the construction going on in China, in Vietnam and the like, all of those bridges, all of those roads that still need to be built, maybe investors are betting on that too. But Sigma, of course, storming higher. I mean, it rose something like 75% on open. Incredible. Uh, this proposed merger with Chemist Warehouse, an $8.8 billion behemoth. And it will actually be one of the most valuable companies on the ASX mm-hmm. when it merges. But putting it into context, I think BHP is something like $240 billion, isn't it? So $8.8, a little bit off that. Yeah, but still in the 200 I had a really good com- um, conversation t- with Lucas Good from Investors Mutual to start the small caps. So find the small caps online and you'll be able to listen to that. They are long-term 
shareholders in Sigma. They got in uh, in hopes that this chemist warehouse deal would come to fruition back when it was still being held by EBOS. I asked if this was in their investment thesis at all. He said, nope, but we'll take a 70 percent, uh, you know, hike on the day. You know, they're now holding what he calls yeah. one of the country's premier retailers. So, yeah, really fascinating to see how this is all panning out backdoor listing. Um, so those are some of the key themes. Now, I put miners as sort of the top sector only because, you know, overall, the materials space wasn't mm. the best performers. Healthcare was, as you mentioned. But I mean, you know, like I said, all these records being set here. That's incredible. I mean, I think still because I just did a note on iron ore and I'm going to get some of the brokerages mixed up. But I feel like it's Macquarie that has a, a rating around $19 or something. So to be at $26.69, Fortescue is continuing to defy gravity, as we say. BHP Rio also looking uh, good. Let's have a look at the healthcare stocks. We mentioned uh, what was happening there with uh, with Sigma. And I was just talking to Will Riggle and he really likes CSL and ResMed in that space. Mm-hmm. OK, so good day there. Where did we also see some positivity? The rates again, we continue to talk about rates, peaking rates. Well, the FOMC meeting's underway, isn't it? So it we'll is. have uh, some results from that come tomorrow morning, that being Thursday. Um, so yeah, the, the rates conversation continues and worthwhile mentioning that that U.S. inflation read was quite sticky through the overnight. The components of it were sticky. And so, yeah, reading plenty of notes today about just not getting too far ahead of ourselves when it comes to this, uh, you know, immaculate disinflation sort of narrative as well. Yeah. And just to highlight my David Sikorsky interview again, Mm -hmm. I mean, because NAB was saying that swaps markets say 188, 108, excuse me, basis point cuts by the Fed in 2024. He was saying, look, that's going way too ahead. We've got to listen to what they say, which is higher for longer. There may not be any more hikes, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we've got to stay where we are. Yeah, um, it's hard to sort of uh, disagree with that, but plenty of analysis if you look on the website about what's likely to come from the Fed. And of course, we'll cover it for you in detail tomorrow morning. Corporate stories today. Look, um, it was a quiet one. Let's uh, let's just put that out there. Woodside Energy, I sort of had missed this, but it reached an agreement with three maritime unions to ensure the employment of around 70 Australian resident seafarers on an LNG carrier. Also, though, in focus because of obviously the M&A possibility with Santos and um, as you foreshadowed, oil prices really in focus as well. Then we have those record hitting companies, Mm. of course. Um, Stock of the day was a little bit off piss today. Well, it was IDP education, in fact. But but tracing back to your story about migration, you know, and that debate being one of the Fewer students, potentially. Let's take a listen. Even even without that sort of most recent news, um, and we've, we covered this back in September and I was a bit cautious in September, thankfully, because uh, we're about four bucks cheaper than it was uh, then now. But um, it just shows the danger in investing in any company where with the stroke of the minister's pen, your yep. business model can change overnight. And that really scares me. We like businesses that have a big moat around them. You know, it's a, sort of that sort of uh, business whereby it's really hard to replicate, uh, not immune to regulatory change, but it's pretty hard. Uh, this unfortunately doesn't fit that criteria. So for the political stuff you just spoke about, from a valuation point of view, I can think of plenty, of, and the shorting, I can think of plenty of reasons not to be there. So thanks, but no. They always talk about investment from the, uh, the long side of things, but shorters have done extraordinarily well this year. Yep. If you were short stocks, specific stocks, 
you have had a knockout year, mm. um, probably more so than being long stocks. Mm. So um, yeah, so there, there's obviously validity in that kind of uh, investment strategy, but not for the average retail punter. But this one certainly not for me at the moment. So let's get to our guest, Carl Rodder from Capital.com, joins us for his view on all things macro. Uh, Kyle, where to start? I guess just this continued run that we've seen in, in a lot of the mining players. Yeah, I mean, kind of the inexplicable surge in the iron ore price, which sort of defies a lot of the story, broadly speaking, around um, China and its, um, well, continued weakness and concerns about um, its, its economic outlook and, um, well, obviously, investability as well. So, um, I mean, I've heard numerous theories as to why iron ore has uh, outperformed. Apparently, um, you know, stockpiles are relatively low, as I understand. And again, not something that I look into too specifically because our clients don't trade iron ore specifically too much. But, um, you know, clearly um, a little bit of a tailwind for our market we've been a major laggard compared to the states and even indices like uh, Japan's, the DAX, all have been tearing to at least one year highs, if not almost record highs for you know the DAX and the, the Nikkei. Relatively speaking, the ASX 200 has been fairly subdued, but by virtue of a bit of that um, uplift that we have seen in iron ore prices and the, the flow on benefits to the likes of uh, Rio, BHP and, and Fortescue, we're at least looking like we'll close at a, a three-month high today and we'll find out obviously in a few minutes' time. So um, yeah, clearly... Um, Defying a lot of that sort of, I guess, global growth fear, um, benefiting the market, albeit I, I suppose we are sort of trailing compared to our global peers um, overall. Immaculate disinflation, is that dead and buried? <laughs> you know, that uh, that thesis there, Carl? Yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of looked at the data this morning and I guess if it weren't for the fact that we didn't have, you know, five or we'll call it four, four to five rate cuts from the Fed next year, you know, it's five to six when it comes to, say, the ECB, uh, but four to five rate cuts from the, the Fed next year, um, you know, we wouldn't be looking at this number with such disappointment. I mean, uh, I understand, and again, um, it's more of an economist question, of course, but uh, as we've all read in the reports this morning, you know, our shelter costs are not coming down perhaps uh, as quickly as expected, proving perhaps a little stickier than, than, than previously thought. But if you look at sort of the, the headline numbers, they were in line with expectations. The only knock really was that we sort of saw a 0.1% lift in or inflation month over month versus a, a flat expectation. So, I mean, I think overall it kind of confirms the downtrends. You know, the, the glide path to um, target is still there for the Fed. But, you know, when you've got expectations of such aggressive rate cuts next year, clearly everyone's going to be looking for, for much, much more than just, you know, a um, sort of steady trend to, to, to justify such aggressive pricing. So, you know, nothing to su- again to suggest that um, inflation is overall sticky. But um, as we'll find out tonight, the overall question is, you know, how... Um, I guess, over-enthusiastic, over, overzealous of markets become uh, on these expectations of cuts from the Fed um, next year. Yeah, 108 basis points, as NAB saying, seems aggressive. As you say, um, what about what we're expecting in our economy? We had MAIFO today. We've got jobs numbers tomorrow. The, the RBA, again, of course, not meeting again until February. Yeah, those jobs numbers should be fairly interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, when it comes to looking at the rate outlook, you're basically putting the queue in the rack for the most part for the next sort of six or seven weeks until we get that CPI figure at the end of um, January, mostly just because so much water can go under the bridge between now and then that no one want to make any kind of bold predictions, especially because we're going to have two labour uh, reports or labour force reports uh, between now and the next RBA meeting as well. But um, the data is expected to show a little bit of softening in the labour market, and that's consistent with what we're seeing in, in the rest of the world as well, is that um, although we haven't seen... Um, 
you know, joblessness spike by any means and sort of flash any kind of even amber signals, really. Uh, there are signs of increasing slack and uh, lower demand for, for, for workers, which um, naturally is symptomatic of, of a, a slowing economy and an economy that's starting to see the effects of, you know, rate hikes um, uh, flowing through it. So, I mean, we've got that tomorrow. As far as the, the, the local economy is concerned, I mean, overall, if you sort of took a sort of slice of time and, and where we are here and now, you know, clearly inflation's too high. There are some problems uh, emerging on the horizon, but things are still reasonably robust. I guess it raises the question when it comes to RBA policy, whether, you know, when the rest of the world is um, uh, having priced in rate cuts, whether, you know, um, the RBA still might have a hike in it, perhaps by virtue of, you know, the fact that inflation still remains relatively high compared to the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, cash our cash rate is so much lower than, than, than global peers too. But I'm overall looking reasonably solid. You know, the MAEFO, uh, although I didn't look into it again too deeply because it's not something particularly tradable for our clients, um, it did look, you know, fairly rosy overall. You know, maybe, you know, the surplus was was not there, but by, you know, all, all um, uh, reasonable assumptions, we'll have an iron ore price that remains above 55, 65 bucks or whatever it happens to be and, and probably see a, a, a a modest surplus next year. So everything seems, you know, overall reasonably strong, despite the fact, of course, there are, you know, as always, um, unknowns on the horizon about the growth outlook next year. Well, Carl, you know what's tradable? Volatility. You know what's <laughs> at its lowest level since pre-COVID? The VIX index. But mm. to our earlier conversation, we do have the FOMC tonight. Do you reckon there could be some volatility around the commentary coming from Jerome Powell if he does push back on the market's expectations for, you know, Pretty significant interest rate cuts coming through relatively early next yeah, year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I guess there is um, a fair argument to say that this event is asymmetric in terms of the risk, just because, I mean, what are the likelihoods that he's going to turn around and justify that kind of um, uh, perception from the markets and that kind of pricing when all it would do is, you know, obviously feed um, those those expectations and loosen financial conditions and maybe make their job of bringing inflation down, which, you know, albeit going, you know, in a very positive trend is still, um, you know, fairly significantly above target. So um, it's very unlikely that he'll deliver um, any kind of dovish commentary by any means or justify um, the, the pricing in the markets. The, the, the interesting thing for me going into this event, this is why I'm a little bit wary of it, is that, you know, although that is clearly the case that, you know, um, it, it's very, very unlikely that he's um, going to sort of confirm the pricing that's in the market. Everyone also knows as well on top of that, that he's unlikely to do it. So what's the kind of bar that we're going to have to kind of meet or exceed here to get any kind of a surprise? I, I would imagine it's going to have to be something incredibly hawkish to say, you guys are absolutely nuts when it keep this high. We think we're going to keep it high for the rest of the year um, for 2024 and, um, you know, have the dot plots kind of back that up. Um, any kind of, I think, window of, uh, yeah, maybe we could ease next year. I think um, traders might seize upon that. But again, I think it's an asymmetric risk just by virtue of the fact that you know, clearly markets are priced in so much to the downside for next year without any kind of data impetus yet. And he's not going to say, yes, that's 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 a fact. So um, yeah, I, hopefully a, bit, a little, little bit of volatility. Like you said, it's tradable and our, our clients like to trade volatility. That's the name of the game. But um, yeah, it's it, it's certainly a, a, a significant risk event. Can you imagine if he said yeah. you guys are absolutely nuts? That'd be fabulous. <laughs> a moment <laughs> well, of clarity. So maybe he's, he's, he's found a, a new tone to his discussions. Yeah, well, remember when he told the climate or the door to be shut on yes. those climate activists? Yes. You never know. You never know what's going to come out. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle Rodder from Capital.com. Let's have a look at the leaders and laggards as we close out the session today. I assume Sigma's going to be up there. Nope. Neuron Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> I don't think that's right because Sigma, of course, climbed by some 44%. Well, I guess it could be because Sigma's not yet in the 200. Oh, that would be my thinking. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
you go. Riviera. It will be when Chemist Warehouse yeah. is part of it. So Neuron Pharmaceuticals, Polynova again, Star Entertainment being so volatile lately. It's either a laggard or a leader. But yeah, any of these companies, uh, save for Auckland Airport, I suppose, didn't have any big news associated with it that I could hmm. see anyways. Well, I've been schooled in the ASX 200. <laughs> My bad. No, no, that's good. Because I, I was basically saying we'd got it wrong when we didn't. We got it right, as we always do at Ausbeer's Chalice Mining, up 5.7%. Siona Mining, Coronado Global Recesses coming down today. IDP, we touched on maybe fewer Australian, oh, sorry, fewer international students mm-hmm. next year. And we bit Nano down 4.2%, uh, which is interesting because we've been watching so much uh, in terms of the tech players in the US. So here we go. Let's take a look at what's going on in the smaller end of the market. Look, all of those are just sort of a motley crew, as I said before, of these resources. Small, I mean, look at, you know, that's an 11 cent um, company with Peninsula Energy. Uh, let's get a look at what who, who or what was lagging the market as well. Iris Metals also very volatile. 4D Medical, I was out with a bit of news, um, I think, in the past couple of days, so perhaps it's giving up. Um, 40X is the ticker code, I can't get this up quicker. Um, yeah, so I think it's just giving back some of the gains it had seen and up and down by 12%. Of course, as we know what is happening, it is the FOMC interest rate decision. As uh, Kyle mentioned, what are we gonna hear in terms of potentially pushback against these aggressive rate cut speculations that markets are pricing in? Producer prices, data, mortgage applications, and Adobe comes through with numbers. Nice to see, all right. Um, um, we'll get those tomorrow morning and we'll get some um, analysis with you. I was just talking to Bob Desmond from Claremont Global about Adobe yesterday. If you want to go back and find that one, it was um, pretty interesting. Unemployment data tomorrow here. That's the headline. I had a chat with Justin Smirk from Westpac yesterday. So uh, hours worked and underemployment. And then don't forget lots of central banks meeting this week. Absolutely. And in terms of AGMs, we're going to hear from Elders and Westpac. I spoke to the Elders CEO a couple of weeks Mm. ago, and it was really interesting what he was saying about still trying to find talent. So that'll be interesting on a day that we get jobs numbers as well. But that does it for today's Mm -hmm. COB, and uh, we'll see where the market is tracking. I think a gain of around a third of 1% on the ASX 200. Yep, it looks like it. A 50-day moving, uh, a 50-day high, I should say. And uh, we are up. Gosh, both our computers are just mm-hmm. giving up the ghost. <laughs> there we are. We're up a third of one uh, percent. Twenty-three points on the ASX two hundred seven thousand two hundred fifty-eight. A new fifty-day high. The CBO there up four tenths of one percent. And we do have the BOE uh, meeting today, so we're heading toward that European Open quite quickly. And just ahead of the US Open, interesting to see. We've got. Uh, S&P 500 e-minis and NASDAQ e-minis, you know, time stamping this. We're about 20 past four here in Sydney, uh, for those of you catching up later on. Um, But yeah, looking positive heading into that FOMC meeting. We will see. We'll also watch the Aussie dollar. They come under a lot of pressure through the overnight period. So, you know, lots um, lots of opportunities for volatility tonight. We'll be discussing it all tomorrow morning. We will. We'll see you then.